It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I have a question for you guys. A football question. Very worried. Adam yes. Thielen, uh, not a huge game, but he winds up with a big catch at the end of the game. He won like 55 yards or something. Uh, Adam Thielen on the season, up to 1,056 yards. He's got 74 catches. That's top eight in the league. His yardage is now fourth in the league behind Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. If we were to redraft every wide receiver in the NFL right now for the next two to three year window, how many would you have to go through before you got to Adam Thielen? Uh, well, I would take Antonio Brown number one, number two, number three, number Correct. four, number five. Agreed, I, yes. I, I think Antonio Brown might be the best player in the NFL this year. If it's not Tom Brady, then it's Antonio Brown. So he's number one. Julio Jones didn't have a good day. Probably should have cost that, uh, caught that slant route that they threw to him. But it seemed almost like the Falcons were afraid to test Xavier Rhodes, which I, I don't completely blame them for. But, I mean, you just can't let a guy completely take your star player out of the game. I thought that was more game plan than Julio Jones. Uh, but I would take Julio Jones. I would also probably take A.J. Green, who is just a miracle of this world that he puts up the numbers he does with his bad quarterback play. He was doing it last night. Andy Dalton is a bad quarterback, and yet A.J. Green is a magician. So I would take him to uh, Keenan Allen is an incredible player in San Diego. People don't see him a whole lot, but he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. He would probably be to that range of where I'm getting to Adam Thielen after the, after those guys. And I would also take Stefan Diggs. Wherever we are with Adam Thielen, I'm taking Stefan Diggs right after him. The only difference between these two guys is one guy's groin seems to hold up a little bit better. I mean, Diggs but that is matters. A, I mean, that it, definitely matters. Staying it does on the matter. Field. Yeah, if you were if you were drafting receivers, it does matter that Diggs has had the groin issue the last two seasons. But I think that these guys are identical twins, basically on the field. I think they can do a lot of the same things. I would. Just in terms of your pure talent, I might actually slide Diggs a little ahead because of his ability to win one-on-one balls that just get thrown up in the air, and he's done it so many times this year. I think at one point before he got hurt, he was leading the league in contested catches, and he's so good at that. They just throw it up to him in the end zone, and he makes plays. I would probably put them on an even plane, though, but you're talking about among the elite wide receivers in the league having two guys. Right now, I just pulled up Pro Football Focus, both in the top 15, Thielen yeah. and Diggs. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you on that. I think I think it's Antonio Brown for sure. He's the best receiver in the NFL, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Julio Jones is such a machine. He has to be in that conversation above Adam Thielen. Um, I could debate you a little on Keenan Allen um, but not a lot. Like oh, Keenan I, Allen's one of the first six receivers you draft. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen is like a carbon copy of Adam Thielen. 
Like they are very similar in size. But wait a second, you have to compare white receivers to oh, white receivers. Uh, yeah. Wes Welker. Uh, yeah, uh, Don Beebe. He's Don uh, Beebe. Don Beebe. Yeah. He's Lance Allworth in his prime. Yeah. He is not the, as fast as Don Beebe. I'll throw one other name on the in, in the mix here, and he's worked with mostly a quarterback carousel. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. There's a lot of garbage time there, but just in terms of ability to to run different routes and the numbers he puts up with bad quarterbacks. And well, DeAndre Hopkins is second yardage this year, and he has nine touchdowns. Yes. So. It, and, we're missing probably, I mean, uh, the best not Antonio Brown receiver in the league because he's hurt, which is Odell Beckham. I mean, sure. the, the thing with all of these guys is they're mostly unguardable. It's just what what is the ceiling for them? Can they completely take over a game? I mean, I, I think Thielen benefits a lot from having Stephon Diggs. That's not to take away from him. That's saying that, you know, if you uh, remember the John Elway teams that were really great, they'd have like Ed McCaffrey and Rod Smith. Ed McCaffrey's or another guy have... who reminds me a lot of Adam Thielen. <laughs> At six foot six or whatever he was, six seven. Uh, well, there was uh, Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell. Remember those two guys for Jacksonville? Yeah. That's kind of how I look at these two guys, that they are both really, really good. And you would take them. They are not the Antonio Brown the Odell Beckham, but having each other when teams play a single high safety, I am blown away. I can't believe it. Week after week, you see a single high safety and one-on-one coverage on the outside against these two guys. Whether you're playing cover three and they're playing zones or whether you're playing straight up man, these guys cannot be stopped in that coverage. And you almost see these teams like, uh, you know, Atlanta, they weren't going to change their coverage. They just decided we were going to do our same thing. I'm I'm a defensive coach. I'm going to do the same thing I do every week. And then by the second half, Pat Shermer had it all figured out, and they were able to take care of business. That drives and me crazy. It just it really did amaze me that they stuck right with that. It worked in the first half, but they didn't change anything to stay ahead of Pat Shermer in the offense in the second half. They didn't seem to anticipate that they were going to go to the shorter passes in the second half. But I think it's been proven that both of them in one-on-one coverage cannot be covered. I think the other guys, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham, I don't think there's anything that can be done to stop those guys. So I've got Brown, Hopkins, Jones, Beckham. Now here, now here's the the thing I think that we should stop and do though. Doug is, Baldwin too. Don't forget him. Is let's back up for a second and let's factor in two things: health and baggage. Beckham is a phenomenal talent. Yeah. Um, but the baggage there, you got to put up with a lot. Yep. And and you've got to. And I'm sorry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna come to the sideline and tell me something constructive, that's fantastic. But if you're going to come to the sideline and punch the kicking net and cry and scream and yell, yeah. you're going to lose me really quickly. Uh, the thing I like about the, these two guys for the Vikings is they both seem to me, and hey, look, Thielen will jump up and down and he'll complain to refs, and Diggs will too. But for the most part, when you consider the ordinary baggage that that position carries, they're pretty good. And so I think I think the one thing that that you have to do is factor in What's the baggage there? Because with those mm-hmm. two, it's almost nothing. Yeah. So I would take Brown for sure. Uh, Jones I would still take. Hopkins. But we get to Beckham, and I honestly would say, okay, that would be great for a year. But my God, if everything's going to be a mm-hmm. huge meltdown and you're at some point in time, you're just going to say enough is enough. You know, Kyler brought up Doug Baldwin, and I love Doug Baldwin. He is a he, He's a bowling ball. He runs great routes. Um, he's he's just the perfect receiver to pair with Russell Wilson, too, because Wilson loves to get outside, roll out, mm-hmm. maybe even improvise. Okay, the, the route's not there. And I wonder sometimes if you have Doug Baldwin, and Doug Baldwin's one of the top 12 receivers in the NFL, 12 or 15. 
But you could put a lot of guys with Russell Wilson, and if they're just really good at extending routes, and that, that's a lot on Wilson, too. He's able to get out, extend plays. So that's a t- it's tough to gauge a guy like Doug Baldwin because he's probably catching a lot of passes on like broken-down plays that Russell Wilson keeps alive. Yeah, that, I think that's true. Uh, I mean, I haven't broken down Doug Baldwin tape because they haven't played Seattle this year. Maybe eventually that will happen. But my impression of him is that he's a really difficult guy to guard and that he can catch pretty much anything that comes his way. So he kind of goes in the Stefan Diggs category of being mm-hmm. a, an undersized receiver who's so quick with his feet and has such incredible hands that I, I would kind of put those two there. A.J. Green is the one who just does not get enough credit, I think. He just does not get talked about enough because it's Cincinnati, because they never freaking win anything, because their quarterback is bad and really bad a lot a lot of the time <laughs> i, I, mean, I think just, that perception on dalton because a while back i think people began to, to think that he was actually decent and so i think what you're saying right now is lost on, on a lot of casual fans like i think they're like oh dalton's fine oh no he's not and he's fine. not fine he was never fine but you know what this but is, i think that perception existed at one point so i asked somebody with pro football focus about this is there a way to look into somebody's uh like their uh, supporting cast are, is there a statistic that tells you how good their supporting cast is? And basically the way they would do it is just take the grades of the players around them, right? So the Vikings are one of those teams over the last like 10 years, considering the receivers, having two top 15 receivers is super rare. And the Cincinnati Bengals, that one good year for Andy Dalton, they were there too because they had Mohamed Sanu, they had Green, they had Marvin Jones, who we saw is a really underrated and excellent wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. They had him too. Two starting running backs. They had two starting running backs. They had Andrew Whitworth was their left tackle. Their offensive line was fantastic. And Andy Dalton has this magical one year. When it got to the playoffs, that didn't hold up. They also had a defense, and this is one of the things that uh, the Vikings are doing so well. They have a defense that gets them the ball back all the time. The Vikings are number three in the NFL in possession time, and we've seen them beat the Falcons and beat the Rams, two great offenses, in part because they just didn't give them the ball. They got three and outs, and then they ran pretty well, and then they completed the short passes pretty well. And they just never had a chance to get into a rhythm. And when Andy Dalton had those big numbers, Cincinnati was doing that same thing. Uh, Let's pause. When we come back, something about the Vikings. I saw this officially last night. They're leading in two categories that are very indicative of postseason success. Let's talk about that when we come back. Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. Here's what you might have missed on a recent episode of the Raised by Wolves podcast. The Wolves have won two games in New Orleans now without Carl Anthony Towns really being a, a huge factor in either game. Well, and I think that was part of the problem and why they never really have beaten the Pelicans very often in recent years because Towns has not been able to outplay Anthony Davis. Right. Anthony Davis is just flat out better. I mean, he's one of the best big men in the league, so it's not too surprising. So if these teams are going to you know, come down to the wire together, and it's important to get to build towards these tiebreakers. So if the Wolves win one of the, they probably play them two more times. So they win one of the next two games against them, they're set. That's why that we can't just disregard November basketball and these early wins. And I think any time that you can get them, especially against an opponent who also figures to be in the mix, is so key. You can find the Raised by Wolves podcast on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Download and subscribe today. And gentlemen, we know the Vikings are good. We know the Vikings are capable of perhaps winning a Super Bowl and doing a lot of good things here going forward. 
But if you're trying to, if you're if you're going tail of the tape, Vikings, how do they stack up against the Eagles and the and Seattle and whoever? I like to look at performance on the road. There's certain boxes I like to check. Performance on the road does does what you do well travel, or does it have to be in your home stadium? Right. Well, I think the Vikings travel well. Another thing to look at, look at is when the leverage situations are are more intense, when it's higher leverage situations. So fourth quarter, third down in particular, how good are you? And the answer to that last one, the Vikings offensively and defensively through these last week's games, the best in the league on third down, offensively, defensively, 27% allowed on defense and 46% converted on offense. That's pretty impressive, Matthew. It's always funny when we have conversations about, like, so how do you really win in the NFL? And it usually comes down to playing good on offense and defense. Stunningly, right? right yeah. Like, analytics figure that out. There is There was a study that I saw about passing and defending the pass and what the average Super Bowl winners have done at those two things. And they generally, on average, rank sixth in both both categories. If you take all the Super Bowl winners, where they ranked in adjusted yards per attempt, passing and defending the pass. And the Vikings are toward the top of the league in both of those categories right now. And uh, what they did against the Falcons on third down and what they've done in the red zone, it looks to be pretty sustainable. And so will they throw for 300 yards each week? Probably not. And we saw the Case Keenum that can execute a short dump-off pass offense when he has to, which is impressive in itself because last night Andy Dalton threw a dump-off five feet over a guy. Sorry, I don't like watching Andy Dalton play. Tell us more about Andy Dalton and how you feel about him. Yes. Just, he's a mess. He had that and one good year. But Yep, yeah, he did have the one good year and made the playoffs a bunch of times with quarterback ratings in the 80s. Um, but you guys love Cam Newton. That's but, great. Yeah, look well, at you guys. A, I don't yeah, love him. I just don't he, hate him he, as he much can as you for a few yards. It's a, it's a few yards is like, uh, I think he's their leading rusher or something, right? And yeah, he had great. 14 he is, rushing yeah. touchdowns. Can't throw a ball. Can't throw a ball more than six yards. Anyways. Well, yeah, we. I mean, we could talk about Cam Newton. talking about? He could use. Let's a, not do the Cam Newton debate yeah, right now. Go Let's back, keep go it back. Yeah, yeah. But he could use a Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. It's true, sure. he could. He could. Um, but a- anyway, the the point just being that any category, any way you slice it, whether you go to Football Outsiders and look at their DVOA, which uh, analyzes the yards closer and adjusts for opponents, or whether you look at situations or whatever else, this is a top to bottom one of the best teams in the NFL, and they've got some better wins than most teams. I think the the only team that I look at where I would say would scare the Vikings the most is probably Seattle because of Russell Wilson, the level he's playing at, and the fact that they've beat some really, really good teams. Like, their win against the Eagles was super impressive, and their defensive line isn't just pretty good. The Falcons had pretty good defensive line. Their defensive line is up there with the Jaguars and Vikings. Mm-hmm. It's it's that good. It's that dominant. So them not having Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman would be a factor that would even things out. But if Blair Walsh made some field goals, they'd be right there. They'd I wouldn't. Be, they'd I be wouldn't want to lost team. I wouldn't want to play them in Seattle under any circumstance. Yeah. I think if I got them here now. I'd be pretty confident. Which is the only way that you're going to face him. So Correct. that's different. But Russell Wilson is just a oh, special, it's, it's a special player. And uh, that's kind of what it comes down to a lot of times. And that's where that, that's the only thing that I can think of 
for Vikings fans, other than the kicker, Judd, I know you always go to the kicker. Actually, but Phil of late has been going to the kicker more really? than me even. Yeah. Now, he did nick the uh, post the other day. He doinked so it. it. was not perfect. Was my, my kicker angst is more historical than, than current, to be honest with you guys. I have scars from the past. But, but the, yeah. the, the, only thing, the only thing that would concern you is that Cincinnati Bengals example and the many examples of Alex Smith, where the Kansas City Chiefs have gone into the playoffs or the Bengals have gone into the playoffs. You look at their offensive production, their defensive production. You split all the numbers down. Well, they're great in this situation, great in this situation. And then when you get to the biggest stage, it's still Alex Smith. It's still Andy Dalton. And will it still be Case Keenum? Or can they continue to scheme teams? I don't know. But the NFC versus the AFC, like looking at the playoff pictures, holy cow. I mean, the Ravens, I didn't think much of the Ravens when they came well, here, they and didn't they're give in much the playoffs. To think about. Jackson, Jacksonville's de- defense, Jacksonville is a team not to sleep on, because you get that defense in, into the playoffs, and you could win a 7-3 to three game. Bortles, um, Bortles is throwing three picks in the playoffs. Uh, among the impressive things t- to me, and this goes this goes back to our, our conversations about Shermer and the job that this team has done, you know, I keep going back to the fact that this team learned a lot from last year, and it's translated to success this year. It seems to me like angst around here has always been fairly high red zone offense. Mm-hmm. Oh, red yeah. zone, you yeah, get in, the, you, you get in the red zone, and it, it's it feels like more years than not, the Vikings would take the scripted plays. They drive right down the field. They'd stall at the twelve and kick a field goal. Um, the improvement there is something else, and I, I know that, that they talked about, they worked during the bye week a lot on this, and the fact that this has been focused on quite a bit. The improvement in that area is enormous to me. It's Because when you look at what they had done previously and the amount of lost opportunities and why can't they punch the ball in, and now they are consistently, they're not only punching the ball in now, they're making it look simple, which it's really not. And they never do the same thing twice. I mean, if you go back, there was a jet sweep to Jarek McKinnon for a touchdown. And then the next week, they faked the jet sweep and went with a pass. And then this last week, they went back to a play from last year against uh, Dallas, I believe it was, at the end of the game when they were driving down, they needed a score, where they put McKinnon as a wide receiver, and then they had him one-on-one with a linebacker. No linebacker in the league can cover Jarek McKinnon one-on-one because the guy is a really good route runner for a running back. And there, there you go, in the end zone. It's like Pat Shermer just has all these different plays and has the talent to execute them. And the offensive line, too. I mean, the offensive line got off to a little bit of a tough start in that Atlanta game and then just romped. I mean, they just dominated that team the rest of the way. I mean, they they were pounding the ball up the middle. They were protecting Keenum. He had all sorts of time to throw the ball, to find guys within those zones. And that's how a Dan Quinn defense works. It relies entirely on the defensive line getting pressure because they play these big zones. So if you've got time to throw the ball, then you can get receivers in the zones, and that's exactly what they did. So the fact that they were able to protect Keenum in the second half of that game was so huge. And at the goal line, last year, there were times where they would take the snap, they'd go to hand off to poor Matt Asiata, bless his soul, and he'd just get blown up. Or he would just run right into a linebacker or nose tackle. And this year, they're opening up holes for Latavius Murray to pound the ball in the end zone. I think everything that is the Minnesota Vikings' success this year starts with that offensive line, I, including the red zone. I think also to the just the, the versatility. You mentioned Matt Asiata's gone, Adrian Peterson's gone, uh, Alex Boone, a very particular type of offensive lineman, gone. 
And if you look, I mean, versatility, we had this conversation yesterday, is such an important ingredient for success in most team sports now. If you can't play multiple positions in uh, the major leagues, if you don't have like a guy who can play three positions as a star infielder or a guy who can go from center field to left field flawlessly, a pitcher who can go two and two-thirds in relief, whatever it is, uh, basketball is more positionless. The Vikings have three centers in the interior part of their offensive line yep. that are versatile, they're fast relative to other offensive linemen. Uh, they have running backs who can line up in the slot, out wide, catch passes, pass protect, take handoffs, traditional formations. They have wide receivers in Thielen and Diggs who can line up almost anywhere or even take handoffs or end arounds, right? They can, they can run block. They both run block Correct. extremely well. So they, it's it's one of the most versatile Vikings teams I can remember in my lifetime. The, the top to bottom, the, the position by position, you can't find a weakness. And that's, you know, I wrote this today. Last night I got a little nervous about the Vikings in two weeks against Cincinnati because Cincinnati is a generally dirty team under um, – Marvin Lewis. They they basically always have been. Yes. Last night they rack up 173 yards in penalties, and I was just thinking about the number of players that got hurt in that game. That's the one thing that the Viking season hinges on here. And you would almost rather sit some guys like if Xavier Rhodes is having trouble with his calf, like sit him next week. You would rather almost sacrifice home field throughout the playoffs to make sure that you have a completely healthy team. Because if you take one thing off of this offense or off of this defense, it isn't what it is. And I mean, I know that's obvious, but it relies on all the things. It isn't like Russell Wilson where somebody gets hurt and it's just, well, I'll throw to somebody else. I'm the whole offense. It doesn't matter. I'm so good. It doesn't matter. But I mean, even if you look at uh, Case Keenum's worst games this year, a couple of them were with Stefan Diggs out. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the game against Green Bay did not play very well, mm-hmm. and against Baltimore was his worst game, I think, all year, and they didn't have Stephon Diggs in either one of those games. And it's a big deal. If teams can roll over to uh, Adam Thielen and put their focus entirely on him, it's going to ask Keenum to do a lot more. And even, you know, this is how much they rely on every piece. Even when David Morgan got hurt in that game, I went, ooh, that might that might hurt them because like he, they he laid, he laid some wood on the yeah. play that landed him sure in concussion. Yeah. But you know what? Zim Zim's going to call Marvin and tell, tell him to basically just calm down. That's well, the one good. That's the one good thing is is he can't tell Vontaze Perfect to calm down though. Yeah, I bet he can. I bet they. I bet they're buddies. I. I, know, I don't know. I. I don't trust playing the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, especially when they have nothing to lose and their coach is probably getting fired. I mean, they are a a very dirty team, as you they're said. They're unhinged. It's, it's yeah. not the same type of team as you're going to see against the Steelers on Monday Night Football, where they're yeah, super jacked. I'm up. not that worried about this. But I still think that they're that type of team. And just in general, the bigger point just being that. Last year, toward the end of the year, we kind of ignored that Harrison Smith had a really bad leg injury that he tried to play through. Mm-hmm. And when the season was kind of still on the line when they played the Colts, he wasn't able to go, and they got shredded by Andrew Luck in that game. That I mean, there are a few players that matter more than others, but I, it's almost like everything is interconnected. You don't have Everson Griffin for one game, and you give up 30 points. Right, so you need to have everything going for you down the stretch, uh, the, everyone to stay healthy through the rest you of these like games. You sound like me. You're so concerned for now. this team. Well, that's. I mean, that's the thing is that when we're searching for different concerns, when you run through the numbers of every situation, how everyone's playing, you can't find a real weakness on this team. Yeah, it's also like you, you want to fit. 
you want to finish at least four and one in your last, well, uh, three and one now, I guess, because you just you've just beat the Falcons. Let's come back and talk quarterbacks here. But I want to warn you, we have a, a policy in studio all week long. Matthew Collar, no Teddy Bridgewater mentions. No Teddy Bridgewater mentions because the conversation is now over. This does not count. Oh, okay. But for every Teddy Bridgewater mention, it's a dollar in the fine jar uh, the entire week on Mackie Engine. But let's talk some Case Keenum when we come back. Uh, Collar writes for 15hardespn.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Collar, C O L L E R. That is free, by the way. It is free, yes. All of your takes. Uh, and uh, the Purple Podcast is free also as free. well. Yeah. It's so crazy. if you got that little app on your cellular device, it says podcast. You just type in Purple Podcast. The very popular Purple and Podcast. And then for $0.00, Vikings is hooked right into your brain. Correct. And the special that we're giving out for the holidays, you get it for free eternally. Wow. Eternally. That's a great special. Yeah, it's crazy. Give, um, it, give it to your friends for Christmas. I was telling like Judd the human this. human fund. <laughs> I got you a subscription nice. at 1500ESPN.com. Nice Seinfeld reference. That's pretty a deep good. cut. It's pretty good. Um, we like Seinfeld and Larry David references on this on the show. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Actually, Dave had a great, was it, what were you telling us? You had a Curb Your Enthusiasm moment this morning that maybe we should bring up on the air later, downstairs, the, the newspaper thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's do that later, though. We'll do yeah, it later. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I was telling Judd this yesterday. The best, comp- this is going to sound like Case Keenum shade, but it's not. The best compliment I can give Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman is they've built an infrastructure with defense, offensive line, Thielen and Diggs, all the components, Pat Shermer, that allows you to take a lot of different quarterbacks, non-star quarterbacks even, put them into the vehicle, and they thrive. Mm -hmm. And Keenum happens to be the one that is thriving, and he deserves credit for that. But sometimes I think we dismiss the fact that this roster build and this chemistry and this offensive coordinator, all of those things are top-notch, and they're elevating the play of whoever would be sitting in that seat in that car in its case, Keenum. And it was Sam Bradford the first week, 350 and three touchdowns. It's almost like a, a basketball team. If you were thinking about like the Chicago Bulls when they were at their absolute greatest. Ron of, Harper was their well, starting point guard. Well, that was the thing is that one one of the great things about those teams was not just Michael Jordan. Okay, you've got Michael Jordan. That's basically Harrison Smith here. You have Harrison Smith. You've got the most valuable defensive player in the NFL. So that helps you a lot. And then the top pass rusher, you got all this talent. But you also have everybody knows exactly what their role is, right? And everybody is used exactly properly to a T. So Randy Brown comes off the bench and plays defense against the other team's point guard. And Pippen knows that he's not the superstar, so he's going to defer to Jordan until it's kind of his turn and he's needed. Luke Longley's going to stand in there and just put his hands in the air and don't mess everything up. Who coach and Kerr are going to hit your clutch threes. It's kind of like that with this team. How just every single player has the exact right role and mm-hmm. is used exactly properly by both Mike Zimmer on defense and Pat Shermer on offense. And with Case Keenum, yeah, that's why he's been able to succeed. And, and, you know, the thing is that sometimes I get, you know, now that Keenum has had more success here, I get, you know, well, you hated Keenum or something like that. Well, I mean, no, I never thought he was a, a bad, bad quarterback. I think we said the Vikings have the best backup quarterback in the league. He's a quarterback that was named the starter for two different teams, and it didn't work out for him in either one of those places, in part because they drafted guys or because their surroundings were really bad. But when they signed him, I wrote that. 
they have a really good backup quarterback. And I was just calling up what I wrote when he had to take over. How far can they can he take them? And I wrote, he could definitely take this team to the playoffs because he's talented enough in a great situation to be good. The question was never whether he could be good in the right situation. It was always whether that other quarterback that we're not mentioning on the show today. Uh, how What could he do with the offense? But now that it's been as good as it has been against really good teams, we probably won't see a change unless something goes really wrong or Case Keenum gets hurt. So in in assessing the success of this team, I think there's a few things at work here beyond what's gone on on the field, Matthew. And I think one thing is the fact that, as we've talked about quite a bit on the show, Zimmer definitely learned from last year. They all did. Uh, how important, though, to your point about everybody knowing and accepting their role, how important were the subtractions of some players? Hmm. Peterson, yep. Boone. The, the one thing, I, I'm not around this team as much as, as you are, clearly, but the one thing that strikes me about this team is there seems to be a continuity there. There seems to be a genuine nobody is in it just for themselves. Just like the Wolves. Just like the Wolves. Yeah, just like the Wolves are. There's no quarterback. There's no QB sitting there saying, this is my team. Mm -hmm. There's no Alex Boone, big mouth guard in the corner of the locker room telling the fans to shut the bleep up. Uh, there's no there's no running back who, if he gets, let's say, 10 carries, we all have to go to and say, how do you feel? And he says, how do you think I feel? It seems like, they, like they've done a very good job of putting together a team that not only personnel-wise fits well for what they're trying to do on the field, but also you subtracted a few people who were very focused on themselves. Yeah, uh, and I talked with Rick Spielman about this uh, at the bye, where we talked about the construction of the defensive line and what it kept coming back to over and over wasn't just, oh, this guy's big or this guy's strong or he's fast. What it kept coming back to was the makeup of these players. So Tom Johnson, for example, we haven't talked about Tom Johnson at all. He's been fantastic. He's been the starting three-technique defensive tackle the whole season, and he's been great. Right. You couldn't have asked for any more from him. He's pressured the quarterback. He's made plays. He hasn't been a liability in the run. That's a guy who's gotten better every single year, and I think they knew. This is a pretty smart guy who's extremely hungry and extremely hardworking and who had to take this crazy roundabout way to get here going through the you know the CFL and the indoor league and all these places. So this is a guy that's always going to do what we ask him to do, and, and that's what he's done. So they wanted players like that. With the guys that you mentioned, I would also throw Cordero Patterson in there too. I mean, it's, it's really about the professionalism of this team in general. Like, they have personalities in their own way. But every single guy, Chip Scoggins wrote this, I think, for the Strib, about every single guy seems to be dedicated professional. He's not worrying about the socks he's going to wear in a game with his own name on them like Cordero Patterson would. Or, you know, Patterson did what he was asked last year, but for a lot of the time he was an ego guy who had, I got to be used this way or I got to be that. You had to defer kind of to him. They don't have players like that now. And even somebody like Michael Floyd, would have every reason to end up in some interview complaining that he's not playing, and that has not happened. So, I, I mean, you just have that across the board. And getting rid of Boone was a big deal for that offensive line because he was a loud mouth, and he kind of took this like leadership role, but it was the wrong guy to lead. Yeah. So now you have five guys that might as well be a carbon copy of each other with their personalities, and all of them are just professionals. Yeah, I think one one of the most cancerous things for a sports team is when 
the loudest mouthpiece and the guy who's trying to be the leader is also either not very good at his job, Alex Boone, or is no longer a fit and or is an antiquated piece to the puzzle, like yeah. an Adrian Peterson. And that happens sometimes where everyone looks around the room and it's, wow, that guy, uh, that's that's not really, we're not going to win with that guy being the focal piece anymore, but he's still trying to be the focal piece and he refuses to adapt or evolve or adjust. And it, it, kudos to the Vikings for putting egos aside, Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, Hey, you know what? We're going to have to eat some money on that Alex Boone thing. Yep. It's the right thing oh, to do. Amazing you know, move. I know yep. we thought that TJ Clemmings and Willie Beavers were these young, super moldable talents, but you know what? It's it's just not working. Let's get rid of them. Adrian Peterson, franchise player. Let's find a way to break up amicably. Kudos to everyone for for and the whole offensive line. This these five guys at these five positions aren't working. Egos aside, let's fix the problem. Let's get to the actual truth here. It's really, it's it's just like a marriage or relationship where the best talent you can have is to admit that you're wrong or realize when you are wrong. Yep. Then you can just do the right thing all the time instead of just saying, no, I I don't know. And last year, I, I will clean out my cereal bowl or whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Whatever la- it might be. And last year, Spielman seemed like a guy a lot of times who who, who you said I don't think he can cut that guy. He yep. just can't bring himself. There, there must have been conversations that took place after Jan one of this year that were very difficult but very productive because a lot of people changed what what I thought about themselves. Yeah, I mean Zimmer talked to his players who he trusted. Somebody got to Rick because I mean Rick has changed. Rick, Rick, a couple of years ago, did not make the moves and allow guys to, to walk. And the Peterson thing was handled extremely well, like Phil said. I mean, yeah. there, there were a lot of things done by this team that if you had asked me a year ago, can they do them? I would have said not all those things. No way. And they got away with the Peterson thing with no heartache, really. It was I mean, they handled that as well as poorly as that franchise has done some things. That is as well as I've seen them ever handle something. And they couldn't have done a better job with the backfield either. You know, you draft a, a future superstar with Delvin Cook, who in the first quarter of the season proved that he was the real deal. But when he went down, you just have depth at every position. I mean, when Mike Remmers has been out here, Rashad Hill, who fits in that category of those guys who are just a go about your business guy. I heard a story about the offensive line. I'm not sure I have it entirely right, but I think that they fine each other if somebody talks in an interview about themselves. Hmm. Like they like an immediate interview, right? Yeah, an okay. immediate interview. They only they they don't do any like big scrums usually. You have to kind of grab a guy off to the side, and if you do, it's got to be about your teammates. Because so if you ask Joe Berger, "Hey Joe, like how, you know, you you're playing pretty great even though you're old." He's gonna def- he's gonna deflect, right? Or use we? Can you use we? Well, he's gonna talk about you know, we as an offensive line, and even Mike Zimmer has taken this up too. I asked him yesterday about where Riley Reef's uh, character has impacted the team the most, and he deflected it back to the entire offensive line. So that's a little thing where well, do they travel together all okay. like t- tied <laughs> yeah, together to lunch? Do. Maybe they do, but if you. And he even went six, seven deep on the offensive line. He was saying, well, even Jeremiah Searle. So he was going like deep into the uh, to the depth chart to praise the guys. But I think that was a major focus. What you're talking about, Judd, was, yes, admitting you're wrong on Alex Boone was a huge deal. Nick, yes. Nick Easton is not a perfect guard, but he does one thing extremely well, and that's he's quick. And he'll he'll get out into the second level, and that's where they've gotten a lot of their big plays. It it fits in his personality. It fits exactly the culture that they wanted to have. And I think that when we talk about culture, it's so like 
face meltingly stupid most of the time. Yeah, yes. It, it becomes very cliche and yeah. But in this case, Mike Zimmer had a vision for the type of people that he wanted to be on his team. And I would just describe it as professional. And I, I think that that starts with the offensive line and starts with those offseason changes that have made a big impact for why they didn't fall apart when they face some adversity. It seems like professional and ego-free are the two ways I would describe the Vikings. Ego-free quarterback room, from what we can tell. Ego-free coaching and personnel. And uh, ego-free well, offensive line, apparently. And you have to give the quarterback that we're not talking about this week uh, a lot of credit for that, too. Because Yeah, Sam Bradford, I agree. Yeah. I saw him. Slo- uh, the Slaughter's other day, Slaughter's been wow. great since he got Slaughter, here. I, I agree fantastic. with you. I mean, Denver, no, he was a diva. Now he's not. It could have become a thing. It could have been a distraction. Oh, yeah, he could have He could one, have yeah. talked about next year. He could have talked about the tolling of the contract. You could have ended up with the Jason Lockha, Albert Breer, Schefter guys all coming out each week with the whatever his future plans are. Did you just combine are. all those guys? Yeah, because they're all the same Jason person. Lockha, Breer. I do not believe those are different people. I think those are just different Twitter accounts run by the Russians. Uh, you, you just you just unzip, unzip your Ian Rappaport bodysuit and outsteps, yeah, right. and then outsteps Ken Rosenthal. Yeah, right, it applies yeah, to baseball right. too. Uh, Matthew Collar, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com, and the Purple Podcast. Check him out. We'll uh, I guess we'll see you Thursday then, or talk to you Thursday if the there's no ice. Yeah, you might just want to sleep here at this. Leave point. early. Yeah, really I did early. leave early. Earlier, it was really early. Like, leave late at night the night before next time and just... Well, uh, that's leaving late. Yeah. Well, do that next time.